far worse things. Waiting man. Then death. You will be scared shitless. Good evening, boy. Oh no, Slinky's uh, missing. Slink is missing. He's missing in action he, tonight. Oh my god. It's fun for a girl and a boy, and he's just not here, and it makes me sad. It's very sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, we're getting ready to talk about the Blair Witch Project, which I'm super excited because we have an amazing, wonderful guest who I already love because she's <laughs> awesome and has balls, and I love it. This is lovely Miss Kelly Brown. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Scared Shitless Podcast. Thank, Thank you, you so much for coming on. <laughs> I'm passionate. Let's just say that. <laughs> well, we're absolutely thrilled that you agreed to be on the show. You are our first official guest. Yay. Oh, I love to be the first. That's awesome. Thank you. Excellent. Yeah, it was an easy decision for me once I saw Maddie's art and once I had yeah. a couple of conversations with you just about your work with his charity and his passion and your passion and horror itself has been so therapeutic for me throughout my life. And to see somebody else just kind of embrace that and make something out of it that's that's good and special and helps people, uh, it was a no-brainer for me. So again, thank you so much. If you wouldn't mind, nobody knows who Maddie is on my show yet. If you wouldn't mind just telling us a little about your son and what he does and why he okay. does it. Well, Maddie's 15 years old. No, I'm not. And he's hi <laughs> Maddie. Hi Maddie. He's in the he's in the background. He he gets overwhelmed with these types of things. And so he might come over, he might not. I don't know. Um he is on the spectrum. He's high functioning, super high functioning. I don't know if that's the PC correct term way of referring to autism. Oh, we're so not PC on this it show. Doesn't, so yeah, yeah. Okay. We're, let like, it fly. We're both yeah. bipolar. <laughs> and I mean, we've... Oh, okay. Well... Yeah, so... That's a- <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> okay. Well, Mike and I were talking about this the other day, actually, and we decided the word that we're going to use is hyperfixation. Oh. Mike, Matthew, right when the pandemic hit and schools closed down, um, he was still getting one-on-one interaction at home with the home and hospital through the school system. And the person brought over a, a note, a notebook pad, some Dollar Tree pencils and a regular pencil. And was like, I think that this would help him. Because mm-hmm. Matthew's always in movement. Matthew's always doing something. Matthew's always saying something. Matthew is a very creative person. He decided that art was very soothing and calming. And he just started drawing and some of his earlier stuff is kind of rough as you would expect but now he's got stuff that people like request commission pieces which I'll explain that we we don't do that because Matthew doesn't like to give his art away we have a center here called the Melissa Nelson uh, Center for Autism and my son's support coordinator told me about it and I asked Matthew if he would like to draw a couple of things because they throw a gala every year for autism inclusion and Matthew did it and ever since then Matthew's been drawing for himself or drawing for charity and he's so hyper fixated on drawing that I 
think, well, I, I'm biased. I'm his mom, but I think that every, every time he draws something, it's just better and better and better and better. And so it kind of just snowballed into that. And a thousand pictures later, here we are. So cool. Yeah. And the audience can't see what I'm looking at here, but uh, just right behind you, I see some gorgeous (laughs) drawings that he has done. Yes. Um, from multiple franchises. We got E.T. and Cocoa Puffs and Minions. Yes, I know. <laughs> all kinds of I love it. It's so stuff. cool. It's like it's, Ma- it's just so yeah. awesome. Mm. Matthew goes, goes through stages. He went through a Disney stage. Then he went through a discontinued serial mascot stage. Fantastic. <laughs> I bet there's a like a yummy mummy around somewhere. Let <laughs> me see what I have behind me. I, I've got Quake, Kangaroos, and Quist. Oh, nice. Oh, you know, there's, those, yeah. there's, yep, there's Digum the Frog over there. Yep. Those Dig ones. And, then, and then here's Kaboom. Nice. And then, yeah, it's the original Lucky Charms 2 was not the, the Leprechaun. The original Lucky Charms was actually a wizard. Oh, I had no idea. Do you, do you, see, do you see it up there? Wow. Yes, I totally do. The Lucky Charms yeah. wizard. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. Matthew goes down these Google rabbit holes. Like he'll see something and then he'll go do extensive research on it. Matthew likes to know about things in great detail. Mm-hmm. And that's where he gets a lot of his inspiration from. So. Yeah. So let me piggyback off of that a little bit and talk about uh, how you and I met it in the first place. So you had posted some of his art on a what I would just say is a random horror page. I don't even remember which which Facebook group it was. But, <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> um, I don't either. I just hopped right all over and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so fun and colorful and amazing yeah. and cool. And you explained that he's on a horror kick now. So yeah, when, he is. when did that start? And does he have like a favorite horror franchise or property? He absolutely does. It started with Spirit Halloween. Not to buy anything. Matthew just likes to go in and look at everything. Even though it's the same, it's the same thing as any other store. Matthew's like looking at everything, making mental notes in his brain on what he wants to draw. Yeah. He's a huge fan of the Scream franchise. It's his favorite. He loves it. It's one of my favorites. The original Scream was a game changer. It brought the concept of meta horror to the forefront. I don't even think the Blair Witch Project would have been as successful if people didn't already kind of have in the back of their minds this little bit of a blur between fantasy and reality that adds so much terror as to movies. I always think of every movie as like any movie that's come before in their specific genre is like a paver for other artists to come out and be creative in their own ways. That's how I look at things now, is that there's there, there's no bad stuff. It's just stuff that some people like more than others. But it definitely like paves a way for other things to come in from other people who also have that creative spark. Yeah, I'd agree with that. There's nothing new under the sun and you show me any horror movie and I'll find another horror movie from yeah. 10, 15, 100 years ago. The <laughs> elements of that same yeah. type of horror. So. Everything old is yeah. new again. It absolutely is, especially now. A lot of the fashion trends, the, the horrible fashion trends from the 90s are coming back. Oh, dear I God. Think. Maybe Jinko jeans all over again, girl. <laughs> I actually saw a kid at the mall wearing a pair of those jeans and Ew. that that was my era. I, I'm 40, so I grew up in the, like, I was born in 1983. So my era was like 
the most of the 90s and that was Janko jeans like time and place and i remember going into spencer's to get them spencer's used to sell them and i remember paying out of my own pocket a hundred plus dollars for a pair of Janko jeans and now i think back on that and i'm like that's crazy (laughs) god bless spencer's though one of the biggest things i remember about them was besides the adult section which was many of our first (laughs) our first introduction to certain aspects of the adult world was spencer's gifts that special section in the back but to get there you had to wade your way through like all of the horror stuff too and yeah there were very few stores at the time that kind of embraced that and bragged about it and spencer's was one so to this day you can walk in and see michael and freddie and jason and all the classics yeah i remember going into spencer's and i had you know people at school that were pretty straight laced and bought their clothes from like Oh, the gap, maybe? The gap. Or, there you or go. Bongo. Yeah. Remember, oh, body shop? Remember those jeans that you had to literally lay down to put on? Like <laughs> bongo <laughs> jeans. No. Bongo. And I I was like, that takes me back, man. It really does. Because I was the weird girl in high school and junior high. I'm so you know, I'm different now because I'm a mom and I'm 40 and I don't put on like the black makeup and anything anymore because I don't really put on makeup anymore. Yeah. I'm lazy. I don't even own it. I have some makeup, but I have to like phone a friend in order to make that happen. Neither of yeah. you needs it. So I'm just going to put that out there. Thank you. Thank much. you. But yeah, I was the weird girl in middle school and high school because I shopped at places like Spencer's and hot topic, hot topic girl. And I know the nineties was a difficult time to grow up in. If anything about you was different. And that's why I hearken back to saying like things now are kind of like when they were in the 90s, because kids are growing up in a very different way than we used to. And I think that a lot of it's harder as well. You know what I mean? To be different. Any type of different. Well, the 90s for me was a little different because I'm the old guy of the group. I'm, I'm still <laughs> even when Slinky's here, I'm the, the senior citizen of the group. Yeah, because Slink and I are the same age. Um... I'm 40. You're 43. <laughs> Mike, how old are you? I'm 48. Yeah, he's 48. Oh. Slink, Slink and I are both 43. So Pushing 50 here, yeah. So, And I have this weird, vivid, long-term memory as well. So I remember the 90s quite well. And I was just a t-shirt and jeans kind of guy for most of it. So I did kind of stand out a little bit because I didn't go to the gap. I didn't follow the trends. But I usually try to do my own thing. So the first day of school when I met my wife, September 9th, 1991, I was wearing MC Hammer parachute pants emblazoned with the Rolling Stones logo, a black Rolling Stones t-shirt and a brown leather aviator jacket. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Do your own thing, kids. And listen, if people don't accept you for who you are, fuck them. It's their loss. That's for sure. Totally. All right. So let's talk about the 1999. All right. I was 19. Kelly was a lot younger. So what was Kelly? I was 16 or 17. And that was when you could still go rent DVDs. And I remember it just coming out on DVD. And I went and I rented it because I had to see it. I didn't see it in the movie theaters because I very rarely went to the movie theaters as a kid. But I surely used my money to like go get a DVD. So yeah, I remember that very well. I was excited. I saw it at Tampa Theater. Even though Slink is not here, he I think he saw it at Citrus Park Mall. I could be oh. wrong. I'm not sure, <laughs> but 
he saw it at one of those because he was like 19 also and i saw it at tampa theater and it was this huge thing i mean it was like the line was down the street it was a special engagement i think it was like yeah 10 o'clock show. I don't think it was even an eight o'clock show. I think this was like a big event kind of thing. Yeah. And all I remember was that after the movie, I went home and I slept with the lights on and it's the only (laughs) car film I had ever watched since specifically that I slept with the lights on. And I don't mean just like a hall light. I mean, the hall light, my light, the kitchen light, other people's lights, everybody's light. I remember sitting in my parents' front room and they had gone away somewhere for the weekend, I think. And that was why I was able to go rent the DVD. That's a long story. I wasn't really allowed to watch those things, but I did it on the sly. (laughs) (laughs) I I defied my parents and watched all kinds of awful horror because I started on Stephen King books and then I was like, I want to see this. Like, yeah, Stephen King, he's my favorite. I love him. Anyway, I remember that they had gone away for the weekend. I had all the lights turned off. I was sitting in the chair and I remember like stopping it like midway through and going, oh, Mm-hmm. I don't know if I can finish this. Yeah. <laughs> the minute that Heather and Mike started the tension, my stomach went into knots. And it was kind of like I could feel the cold. I could feel the desperation. I could feel the fear. Right. I'm like, this is really happening. Because it was shot with a video camera. So it seemed like it was like a home movie to me. And, and why it terrified me so much, because I was like, this could happen in like real life. And scary movies that can happen in real life get me the worst. Yeah, absolutely. Like, that's that's yeah. why I, I won't watch any. I, I literally like I have a hard and fast rule. I will not watch any home invasion. Absolutely not. I am so weird. Maybe this is not weird, but I the more the movie can genuinely terrify me, the happier I am about it. Nice. If I turn off, if I turn Amen, off, that, sister, you're yeah, in good company. You're on there. the right <laughs> podcast. <laughs> yeah, Blair Witch was like that for a lot of people because of the marketing techniques they used. You know, the internet was still finding its feet. And uh, these two guys, man, who put this movie together were brilliant. They did yes. exactly what they needed to do with the amount of money and connections they had. And everybody wanted to see this movie by the time it came out. And I did. It came out on my birthday in 1999 july 30th 1999 and i treated myself i was 24 it was my (laughs) 24th birthday treated myself to some pre-movie festivities and entered the theater (laughs) and enjoyed the shit out of myself as far as i was concerned it was real there wasn't much suspension of disbelief required and i left that theater with shitting pants i mean yeah yeah it was scary and nothing of its kind had come out like that. No. I mean, people people can debate that till the end of time with me, but I always tell them Blair Witch is like the first mainstream, low-budget movie that caught everyone's attention, and it really paved the way for a lot of found footage movies. Yeah, It really did. And I think the reason why it had such an impact on people, because A, I think I read somewhere it only cost $60,000 to make. Yeah, most and of that probably went to snacks and product like promotional stuff. Probably. I think I remember reading that it was all like real life reactions. Like yeah, there was like no not, script yeah. written for it. Mm-hmm. And right. those were genuine emotions. I mean, when she's sitting there and crying her eyes out on, on the camera and, and she's just got that snotty nose going. Yeah. Going, she's like, I'm so sorry. And my stomach, I was ready to vomit because yeah. I'm like, this girl really, really is like making up 
I'm going to die. Video. And I'm so sorry that this is all my fault. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to my knowledge, there had not been a film uh, made this way ever before. They basically took these improvisational actors, amateurs, threw them in the woods, told them, you're going to stay the night here. You're going to film everything yourselves. Just react however you would normally react. And they would leave like little bags of food and there would be like less food in the little bags every time (laughs) so that they actually were getting hungrier and hungrier as the film went on. And they would mess with them at night. They would like make weird noises out in the woods. And then, of course, as things would escalate, they would have genuine reactions as they would exit the tent and be like, oh, my God, what the fuck is this? So so what you're meaning to tell me that Mike really was a prick. (laughs) Poor Mike. Poor poor Mike kicking that kicking that damn map into the water. First of all, okay, can we just talk about the fact that there are three three people and one compass? Oh my god. Three people, <laughs> one compass between the three of them because they're just like, do you have the compass? I want the compass. Can I have the compass now? It's like, dude, there should be three compasses at this point. Yeah. They're oh yeah, not expensive. You, you they're compasses. Get them at the gas station. You can get them at a bucks. gas station. They had like an old school map too. Just like a forest map, period. And there's no A to Z. It, it was just like this map that Heather swore up and down she could read it. Yeah. And and I think that it just, you know, when when Mike, he's like, put that map in the lake or the river, the river. Yeah, yeah the I river. kicked it into the river I because it was into useless. The river. useless. <laughs> and, I, and I remember pausing at that moment going, that fuck date. Right. Unbelievable. You fucker. I was God so mad. It, Mike. I, and, then, and then Heather went after him so hard. I'm like, you go get him. He's been a dick to you this entire movie. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just remember like pausing throughout that movie because I like to analyze things and put things together in my head and I like to know where things come from. And that movie kept me guessing left and right. Yes, absolutely. Like, I had no idea what was going on. And then I remember the moment when Heather comes out of her tent and there's Josh's shirt full of blood. Oh, God. And the teeth. The teeth. Holy shit. Real She's, teeth, like, throwing... by the way. Yep. Oh, oh yeah. I mean... That's where the sixty thousand dollars went, right? Right. He, it's just yeah, a whole he dental set. Him from, yeah, he copped him from his dentist, is what I read. Yeah. Ew, oh ew, God! Ew, ew, ew. Oh, that's but, disgusting. But then her choice not to say anything to about Mike stunned me. Yeah, because she like, was just like, "No, I'm just washing my hands." I'm like, "I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I'm okay. I'm just tired and scared and hungry and cold." <laughs> I didn't just find Josh's bloody shirt and teeth outside my tent. That never happened. It just didn't. I'm like, why is this being kept a secret? Wonder, because they would give them different motivations each day. Like the the director would give them different motivations. I wonder if one of those motivations was like, you're going to find something really messed up, but you can't say anything. Thing about it. That might be it too. But then I also noticed like during the movie, once Josh left, Mike seemed to like get off Heather's back a little bit. Uh-huh. And, and one of the fan th- theories is that Josh, there was a, you know how, I think his name was Parr. Yeah. Like, oh, Rustin yeah. Parr. Yes. Yeah. And I honestly thought to myself, maybe Josh like brought on that tension, like a lot of it. And there's so many fan, th- fan theories out there about, about it that try to like explain the unexplainable. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, I just like, I don't know. And then that ending. Oh, the, the ending, ending was what's really interesting about that ending was that when we saw it in the theater, 
I got it. And whoever, whatever douchebag I was dating at the time got it. But the couple <laughs> next to us didn't get it. And I leaned oh, over and I said, remember, he used to make the kids face the face the wall. And they were like, they, f- I mean, yeah. that was it. They were like, oh, yeah. my God. Like- he would lure two, like two kids to the house where the original Blair Witch was the Ellie Kedward. Yeah, that was her. So. Yeah. Ellie Kedward dug deep into my folklore about this movie today. You know, he would like, he was possessed by her and he would take the kids by two into the basement, one face away. And then the other, they would like, there was supposed to be like a, like a bloodletting, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And so what I really liked most about that movie was like the beginning where they did all the interviews with the town people and they kind of like set up this big backstory folklore character for and they made it so that you could get an understanding about what this was about and what they were looking for. And I I really enjoyed that about the movie. And when I saw him turn against the wall, I'm like, oh, my God. And I was waiting, I guess, for something maybe slightly different. But then when that camera fell... And then I was like, (laughs) oh, yeah. I mean, it was it it still still at 43 watching this. I was like, oh, because you can hear him say, tell us where you are, Josh. Tell us where you are, Josh. And he's heading, heading, heading. And you see that he's going into the basement. I know. Seriously listening. And you're like, "Uh oh, right. Uh And then and then you see all you see is him facing the face in the wall, bro. And you're like, yep. No, and then thud bad is gonna happen yep well with Um, that ending uh, go ahead mike sorry yeah well i was just gonna say nobody puts mikey in the corner that (laughs) ending (laughs) that ending i i was a dick then i was a dick when the ring came out i would walk up to my wife and whisper (laughs) seven days i would put the tv on static and my wife at the time did not appreciate me standing in the corner (laughs) the next day Uh, i i think that my ex-boyfriend used to take the stuffed animals this is a thing that he did recently at my apartment like years and years ago uh and he would take the stuffed animals and he would turn them so they faced the wall (gasps) oh my god that's why he's as your ex (laughs) exactly and then take a picture of it and send it to me oh god see and i i i'm married to my high school sweetheart oh that's i know romantic. i was very very fortunate that i met him and and scooped him up when i did and we've been married for we've been together for 20 24 years married for 20 awesome. and my husband is then this is interesting is like we have the same dry humor, like we both enjoy Monty Python and all that kind of stuff, but we could not be further away with horror movies. My husband <laughs> cannot stand them. I love them. I live for them. Wow. I watch them all the time. So we don't really, like I actually used to like, when we were first dating and that first Halloween we had together, he wanted to be nice. He wanted to be sweet. He took me to a haunted house. <laughs> and then I remember like getting out there and, and he was like shivering and shaking. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, dude, are you okay? He was like, I don't like haunted houses. I don't like haunted houses. I'm like, then why didn't we come? <laughs> he was like, because I wanted, because I know how much you like them. He tried the first couple of years. And then after he knew he had me <laughs> locked in, he was like, I'm not going to pretend that I like this stuff anymore. Yeah. So, Chris like, Rock said, when you first meet somebody, you're not meeting them. You're meeting their, their representative. 
my wife is also my high school sweetheart. Yeah. But from, from day one, she knew I was a horror freak. She bought horror board games to play with me. We had Evil Dead 2 parties at her house. Oh, yeah. God, and then dang. our first date, our first date was Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. And oh, I'm geez. so I'm so glad that movie sucked because right. we didn't care what was going on in the movie. And we ended up staying together forever. Hashtag yes. couple goals, bitches. Yes. Couple goals. Yep. So years and years later, she has tolerated my horror fandom and my being into weird cult musicals and all that jazz, my shitless podcast. But she is not a big fan of the horror genre. You know, she has her favorite stuff. It's usually like stuff from when she was a kid, like Scream. But right. she tolerates my horror fandom, which I, I am more than appreciative of that. That's kind of like where I'm at, is my husband, like, tolerates my obsessions. Yes. And and I think that's, like, unconditional love right there. In my husband, I always joke about this. We can never get divorced because there's nobody else in the world that will tolerate either one of us. Nice. And so, and so I'm, and so we're, we're, we're kind of in a marriage of tolerance and acceptance. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amen. That's right awesome. on. But, oh, I remember. One of our first dates was when the original Exorcist came back to the movie theater yep. during Halloween. Yep, I yes. took Jane and, to see it in 2000. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And my and my husband was like, I've never seen it. And I'm like, I have. You want to go? I love this movie. It's my <laughs> oh, favorite movie. Oh, dear. I, I love those kinds of movies. And so he, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so he, he, he did it for me. But wow. I'm telling you, like. Like right now, like uh, like if I really wanted him to go to the horror movie, he'd do it. But he he supports what I want to watch, but he is just not into it. Yeah. So I was telling him we were going to discuss the Blair Witch Project, and David's like, "Why?" Ew. <laughs> right? Ew. <laughs> Sounds weird. And I was like, "I'll tell you why." <laughs> because it's awesome. Because it's awesome. And so, yeah, because it's actually scary. That's the number one yeah. rule on this show is it's got to have some scary shit in it. Actual scary stuff. Yeah. It. yeah, it's true. Well, it's but, true. What I like most about the movie is like it's a slow, scary burn. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's not like you get into it like, no, don't get me wrong. No hate on the Saw movies. No hate because I like Saw. But Saw is built upon like immediate, like gore, immediate. Mm-hmm. It's immediate. And I like a scary movie that has like a really slow, intense burn, you know, something so, like, like jump scares, the unanswered door, mm-hmm. things Building like tension. that. Yeah. It's what right, you don't the tension see. Builder. Yeah. yeah, exactly. A lot of people will disagree with me, but I thought Midsummer was a good movie. I do. Oh, it's okay. a good movie. Yeah, we thought, good. yeah, I, I thought it was a good movie. I am not a fan of hereditary because <laughs> I think that, no, I, I really literally think that that should just be called Ari Aster has mommy issues. <laughs> it's true. I, I liked it because, like I said, I'm a person that likes a good backstory, a good lore. And I really enjoyed trying to figure out what was going on. Why was this being handed down? What was happening? Yeah, I think that's one of the strengths of Blair Witch is that you don't know what the hell's going on. But yeah. you still have this, like like you were saying, like this grounded base of lore that they set up at the beginning. Suggest enough to know that there's some fucked up shit going on, but yeah. you're not exactly sure how it's going to play out. Man. Now, I want to preface this by saying that Matthew is, doesn't like to necessarily watch full horror movies. He's a YouTube video clipper. 
Does that make sense? Absolutely. I work with several autistic clients and that's all they want to do all day long. If you let them is watch YouTube videos and clips. The one I think I asked you about this. One of the main ones that they like to do is the opening sequences to like Absolutely. Universal Studios logo, TriStar Pictures, like just the opening segments with the music and everything, right. introducing the studio that made the movie. It's not so necessarily like like movie production logos. Matthew really likes, and this is going to be funny, fast food commercials. Oh, hell, who doesn't? Oh, okay. <laughs> right. He, yeah. he, he likes, like, he'll, he, he went through a phase of drawing fast food mascots. They're over there. He's done the Colonel. He's done Del Taco. He's done Red Robin. He's done the old Arctic Circle mascot, Wendy's, Burger King, the Yokiro Taco Bell Chihuahua. Oh, you yeah. Know? yeah. And, and, and he'll go on YouTube and Beard like, laser, be, laser. <laughs> yeah, here it is. It is. And he'll go through and like watch BK, have it your way. And I think it's just like because it's easy and it's simple and the music. Mm -hmm create kind of a I think it's a soothing peaceful thing inside of inside the brain it fires a synapsis I think of just like being soothed I really do because Matthew will watch very specific things that have a very specific type of smooth melody on so repeat. now what does this look like in terms of the horror stuff then because he's kind of on a horror kick like you said does he watch like kill count videos and stuff sometimes they're yeah. better than the movies themselves this just, is true yeah yeah, yeah. yeah let's As just watch matter. the kill count as a matter of fact, on YouTube, there's a video about the best, the best ghost face kills. And it shows clip after clip after clip of ghost face from whatever mo movie, just the best kills. And Matthew watches a lot of that. Like with the Blair Witch Project, he was watching YouTube and he kind of like stopped at it. And I was like, that's the Blair Witch, buddy. And he watched like her crying scene mm -hmm. on repeat. And I don't know why, but he thought it was so funny. And I don't know why he <laughs> thought it was funny. I have no idea. He's just laughing. And I'm like, and I'm like, okay. And then he, Matthew will get an inspiration and decide to draw it. But yeah. So he's not alone with that. That scene has been parodied so many times, you know, just because it was so strange and, and unique. Yeah. I think one of the scary movies did it and it wasn't intentional. That camera angle of it being like way too close to her face and kind of off centered yeah. is something that she accidentally did. And it just worked so well that it became iconic. Well, with Matthew's drawing, he was able to get her whole face and not just oh, a wow. portion so he looks at things like that and he he goes off of that and so and that was the only scene from the Blair Witch Project that he saw and he thought it was hysterical and I don't know why he thinks a crying <laughs> girl saying goodbye I'm sorry I was responsible for everyone getting killed was funny I yeah, you know probably the same reason I laughed my butt off in hereditary when the poor girl got her head knocked off. If there's mean, something wrong this, with us, Maddie. It's okay though, man. Because I do the same thing with pieces. Like pieces <laughs> is hilarious when you watch it because you're just like, really? Like that guy has a chainsaw behind his back in an elevator. And you're just like, oh yeah. And I know you've done some writing as well. Yeah, I haven't been published in a decade. And the reason I haven't published in a decade, not because I haven't been asked to, but because Maddie's medical needs and his other demands have taken up a lot of my time. Mm -hmm. And I just decided that I was okay not publishing anymore. Understandable. Yeah. Completely understandable. You know, yeah, I was like, I, I, I won an award for being a bestseller. I've done this. I've done that. I'm, I'm okay. You know, that was, I feel it's so strange when people bring up like, oh, you're a published author because that was a decade ago. Yeah. And the way I started 
is I, I used to be that person that would say that person's stuff is shit. I used to say that. And I used to be an erotica novelist enthusiast as well. Oh. As, but, you know, yeah, I've, I've written it. <laughs> ding, ding, yeah. ding, 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 I'm, ding. Just, I'm just an Anais Nin looking for her Henry Miller. There you go. <laughs> and so I, they're not regular romance novels. I like the more, geez, it's so kind of like embarrassing to talk about now because I'm 40 and I have a teenage kid. <laughs> you know what I mean? It feels like another life. It really does. But I remember like, like slamming a book shut and me and my husband were in our, like, I think our second apartment. And I have a bachelor's degree in English in English literature with a minor in history. And I wasn't using it. Kind of like liberal arts. Right? Ang- ask anybody uh, with an English degree. What would you my, do with your degree? They were either a writer or a teacher. No, so. my ex-husband True. had an English degree and was delivering <gasps> pizza for uh, Papa John's. And he was delivering at UT, University of Tampa, yeah. which is a very like hoity-toity, expensive art school kind of thing. Yeah. And Oof. they were like, oh, yeah, I guess you didn't go to college. He's like motherfucker i got a master in english yeah and it cost you a lot of money for a lot of nothing and i was a teacher uh, a while ago too but i was a special education teacher so i did kind of put my i did kind of put my degree to work in that regard but i remember slamming the book shut and going god this sucks why is every book i'm reading these days sucks my husband's like if you're such an aficionado and you think you can do better do it write one. And I was like, fine, I will. Cause that was the kind of attitude I had back then. Like I, anything you can do, I can do better. And so I, I wrote the book, I wrote it and I said, see, I, it's done. He was like, it's on your laptop, not doing anything. And I was like, motherfucker, <laughs> I'm going to get, find a publisher then. And I, I went through a lot of different publishing companies. And the one thing that I was told by my dear friend, Charles Lynn Frost, he passed away a couple of years ago from cancer. Oh, he, he, it's a, he was like my, my rock. But anyway, he was a published author and he also did, did plays as Sister Dottie Dixon. If you've never heard of, of, of that, look it up. Sister Dottie Dixon, amazing stuff. Okay. And the one piece of advice he gave me is like, never pay a publishing company to print your work. Because if it's worth anything, they will pay you. Like and then, and then, like six months later, I got an offer for the book, and I, I said to my husband, "I'm like, see, see, it's an <laughs> offer." And so my husband kind of like it fell in my lap. Like I, it's so weird. Like people try so hard and 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 look for a publisher, but now it's kind of easier because you can do everything digital now. But back in uh-huh. the day, digital wasn't a thing, and you had to publish. Mm. And Without my husband's goading me and being a prick, I never would have published my first novel ever. And then I went on to publish five other ones. Yeah, five. And then Matthew got really sick. And then I just decided where my priorities needed to stay. And that was with him. But yeah, if anybody ever brings up like my my writing history, I'm like, oh, good God, I did do that. You know, because I forget. I do. It's like another lifetime. And then people like are like erotica. What is that? And I get embarrassed because I I have to explain what it is when it, it's it's a uh, it's a yeah. Genre. What 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 is it? <laughs> <laughs> Eric, do you know? <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I I, I think nope. I told you I have no idea just because now I've read okay. horror novels that had very erotic scenes in them. No, I mean, uh, the only I, things that I would think of would be like the Anne Rice and Rokolok stuff, like when she did Sleeping Beauty and when she did the Sleeping Beauty Unchained um, and all that. But that's not horror erotica. 
no, my, my erotica, I use my degree. It, it's period. I, nice. I focused on, I focused on the Regency era, romantic. The, the, I, I really liked that point in fashion. It was based in Europe. Europe was the height of fashion at that time with all the titles and everything. Mm. But erotica fiction is, you know how you have like your regular romance novelists? Harlequin uh, romance. Yeah. 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 No, erotica fiction is like is like the porno movie of 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 romance novels. Love it. Love it, it's, girl. It, it's dirty, dirty, dirty. Okay, it's let me just let, let me ask you, Kelly. Is is, is Aaron there a, just perked right up? It's I did. Amazing. I did, actually. Is there a market for like people to write this kind of stuff and sell it? Yes. Okay, we women, need to talk. Hey, yes. Women, <laughs> my my demographic, right? As I was told by my by by my editor, it's women who are like the demographic is between <laughs> 30 and 70 i bet dude right because <laughs> women I, hit women yeah women hit their like sexual peak like much later in life yeah. absolutely girl like, yep. 43 and it's just a big old rodeo for me right now and they're and they're and they're looking for dirty 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 yeah and when and when i say like dirty i mean they use like the base words for like anatomy nice mm-hmm. baby we're talking we're talking about like See like next um, Tuesday. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> We're talking about like there there's like subgenres where it's like a throttle. Uh-huh. They're they're talking about like like there's threesomes. There's also uh gay erotic fan gay erotic fiction. I don't know why I keep saying fan fiction. Damn. I do, um, I do. It's because Fifty Shades of Grey was a Twilight fan fiction, wasn't it? I uh, know. <laughs> we don't like to talk about fifty shades. Undeserved. Undeserved. Fifty Shades of Grey is garbage. It is. <laughs> People ask me about that. They're like, how do you feel about Fifty Shades of Grey? And I'm like, that I I won't outright say that it's garbage, but I will outright say that it's definitely not for me. It's Twilight. It's it's Twilight fan fiction. The thing is, is, just like as an intelligent woman who's like college educated adjacent, because I didn't go to college. Right. But like. I am insulted when I read Fifty Shades of Grey because of the way it's yeah. written, because the way it's it's almost yeah. like panders to just like idiots. And <laughs> I no, I can't stand it, dude. I cannot absolutely stand I've it. Never, I'm gonna be honest with you. I have gone out of my way to never read it or or see one of the movies. Ew. Oh, thank God for you. I man. have gone out of my way because I knew about it and Ugh. and I was. Like, this is just not for me. I know where my limitation is. And Fifty Shades of Grey is one of them. It's really stupid. Like, the movie itself is ridiculous. Like, there is a scene. There's a literal scene in the movie where she, like, she, like, looks at the contract. She goes, what are butt plugs? Like, that's a a line in the movie. And there's not, like, a person on the going, it's a plug for your butt. Like, but that's, oh, that's oh, never, made the, never made the connection. He's like, I'm so but see, Fifty Shades of Grey panders to a lot of the lonely older housewives yeah. who want I, a little fantasy in their I life, which I can guess to a degree. But, but you know, I can't, they, can't lonely housewives also be intelligent. Yes, Amen, they can. They absolutely sister. can. But I think that they are so busy that a book as dumb as Fifty Shades of Grey is just exactly what they need because it doesn't take much thought process to get through those books. That's what I've been told. (laughs) I I never, I never read twilight either. Just not interested. 
You know what? Mm -hmm. Stephen King wrote about Stephanie Meyer because at the time that it was famous, I mean, at its peak, right? People were comparing comparing her to J.K. Rowling. And he's like, you don't understand. J.K. Rowling is a writer. She writes for a living. She knows what she's doing. She researches. She has read many books. Stephanie Meyer is not a writer. And and I, I saw the proof of this. My wife was a big fan of Twilight and I watched all the movies with her, read all the books with her because I'm a good husband. Or, yeah. or I, I, I was trying to be. <laughs> and she showed me an original draft of a scene, a famous scene from Twilight in like a, a meadow or something. And I read it and it was utter crap. And then I read the version that came out and I said, oh, my God, this woman owes everything to her editor. Oh, uh, she does. Whoever Stephanie Meyer's editor is, is brilliant because they took this crap and turned it yeah. into something that every other woman I, that I knew at the I, time wanted to watch. So I call it polishing the turd. Yeah, thank I you. It, yeah, I, I, it, you have a piece of, piece of shit. It's a turd. It stinks. But you try to make it shiny, make it look nice. But at the end of the day, it's still a smelly turd. It's a polished turd, but it's still... Yeah. Not good. You know, yeah, like I was saying before, like erotica, erotica fiction is like on a crazy, depraved, higher level than regular romance. And believe it or not, I live in Utah, the Mormon state. Yeah, right. Because because we depend on primary children's hospital for Matthew. And um, I sold more erotica <laughs> novels out of my own state than I did any other place. Of Fabulous. You did. Yes. Yeah. I live, in the, I live in the Bible Belt. I live right in yep. the, deep in the heart of Indiana. And there is, I think at one time, more porn consumption in this state than any other state in the Union. Yeah. But it's the Bible Belt. So well, you do I think with that, that women, what you will. Yeah. I think that women think that as long as they're not watching pornography, they're just reading pornography, that it's not <laughs> really pornography. <laughs> so therefore, it's okay. It's kind of like, like, I can't have sex before marriage, but I have other places for it to go. Does right. that make sense? Right. They, I'm going to have yeah. to pull the butt plug out of this rabbit hole just for a second to get us back on track. Yes, um, please. I'm sorry. Which is no, shocking no, because Sims never puts us back on track. I never do. And, and we it's usually get... my job, but now me and Kelly are sitting here just we like talking right, erotica. We can go right yeah. back off track, We're... but we have to do the moment where we do our scared shit list. True. You will be scared shitless. And the scared shit list, of course, is the moments in the film that were actually scary that we found scary that scared us. So, Aaron, Dawn, you went first and a go. Awesome. Yes, absolutely. The scariest moments for me in the movie are when they're the first one when they're in the tent and it almost seems like they're being trampled by horses. Like there's somebody trampling the tent and they hear the. So, a lot of the like auditory stuff was really big. And then the scene where they can hear Josh being tortured, but we don't see anything. Yes. And all you hear is him crying and just yeah. wailing. It's and then what the next you don't morning, see. Yes. you see the teeth. And the, so all of yep. that, right? And then Mikey in the right. corner. That's it. Yep. There you go. Okay. <laughs> Kelly. You want to go next? Me? Okay. Yes, please. Oh, Lord. I don't know if it's the scariest moment, but definitely the most tentious moment is when Mike and Heather just start going after each other. And that's when my stomach kind of nodded up. And then the, oh God, one of the most stunning moments is when they walk into that section of the woods where it's completely crafted with like, with like symbols and Uh, things uh. that are just hanging there. That scared me for sure. 
And then, of course, oh my God, the Josh's, like that moment when Heather, what's this? And she gets out of her tent, it is Josh's shirt, blood and teeth. Yes. And, yeah. and that scared the crap out of me. And then what also scared the crap out of me was like Josh screaming for them to come find him. It's a house and they're not getting it. <laughs> and I, and then, and then they're like, like he's in the basement, he's in the basement. And then my heart just dropped cold. <laughs> so those were, the, I'm not yeah. going to say like the scariest moments, but they were the moments where I was like, Oh my God. And my heart froze. Yeah. yeah it's so, the good kind you. of scary. It's terror, yep. man. I love it. For me, it was when they realized that they were not just lost, but that it was a kind of cosmic lost. Like we're not getting out of here. We're going in circles. We're looking at the same shit we looked at yesterday. You know, it was that moment where it just dawns on them that if they're not dead or they're not in hell, something similar is going on, something cosmically wrong here. And, and I just, I still get the goosebumps just thinking about it. And then of course the ending, oh my God, seeing that dude in the corner. <laughs> oh geez. Uh, and then the camera just hit the ground and it was excellent. Excellent. It was excellently excellent. just well yeah. done. Well crafted. I so just, yeah, thank yeah. you Blair Witch Project for opening the floodgates to found footage horror. Yes. There was some stuff that came out before, but I mean, Blair Witch put it on the map. Yeah, uh, it did. It- it did. Paranormal it was, it activity was... would not have happened without Blair no. paving the way. And I love paranormal activity. I will eventually do oh. that one on the show. To me, it's just the perfect found footage film. So yeah, I'll, absolutely. I'll prove me I wrong or whatever. <laughs> no, 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 no. You don't have to talk me t- into it. I love paranormal activity. Yeah. I love it. I love it. Especially the marked ones. Mm. I loved the marked ones because yeah. I'm the type of person that likes to figure things out and like, one of the things that the Blair Witch did did was like it left it open for all kinds of interpretations. Like your brain can go wild and and think about yeah. well, was it Josh and he was a psychopath and he was yes. possessed by the witch. That was you what know? the person like when I was watching it, I was watching it at work and I was asking friends and they were like, I think Josh just went totally psycho. Yeah. It could be he could have had a mental breakdown and decided that the only way he was gonna get out was to maybe perform some sort of ritual. I'm not sure. I don't know. Dude. I, 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 yeah. yeah, there's so many fan theories out there. And I, I love to hear other people's opinions about like what happened in that movie because it's even the director said that it was totally left up to personal interpretation. The lore of paranormal activity sticks with me because I have had a similar life to Katie. Listen, it's probably not real, but it could be. The boogeyman yeah. could could actually be a demon that's been fucking with you since you were a little kid. We just don't know. So I love that movie. When they find the picture in the attic of when she was a little girl. Oh, God. My heart just froze in my chest. Oh. I was like, oh, my God. These people did their research. When well, the paranormal guy comes in and he's like, it's not a ghost, guys. It's a demon. I was like, oh, shit. Yeah, this is next level terror stuff. Freaking yeah, love what it. Scared, what scared me the most is like you hear her screaming. And then all of a sudden her boyfriend is pushed up into the camera. Boom. I just felt like paranormal activity had so many of those good scenes that didn't have to rely so much on like blood, guts and gore. Right. And like, and I'm not saying blood, guts and gore is not good. It's very good. Like the evil dead rise, the new one that they just had. I enjoyed uh, it. Yeah. I I liked it. It was very bloody. I'm a fan of the original one, but I like movies that don't rely on, that and paranormal activity definitely relies upon like what could be there 
Mm. Yeah, I like those kinds of things. Like, like most of Stephen King's books, I must say, like the reason why I'm so into that is because Stephen King relies on like what you don't read and right. what you don't see. Right. Those are the kinds of things that I like. No, I would say that the Blair Witch Project made Paranormal Activity and all of the other big supernatural horror films that came out later possible. It kind of rekindled people's interest in just supernatural horror and slow burns because prior to Blair Witch, it was all mostly just slasher movies, you know, which yeah. I love too for different reasons. But the slow burn is back, baby. And uh, I don't think it was until The Ring came out three years later that it really started to snowball. But I credit yeah. the, Blair, the Blair Witch Project for kind of rekindling people's interest in slow burn horror and definitely found footage for sure. So, yeah. Well, I can safely say that the Blair Witch Project scared me more than I'm a big Hellraiser franchise fanatic. Mm-hmm. And Hell Hellraiser was scary. That's as bloody and gory as it gets, really. Yeah. But Blair Witch scared me more than that, if that uh, says anything. Yes, mm-hmm. for sure. Any final thoughts? Of course, you you wanted to share some information about charity. All right. Okay. Yes. Maddie has a charity that he works with. It's called the Gestopolis Dream Foundation. We partnered with Paper Clouds Apparel. They're a company that produces products with Matthews and other artists. And all the artists are capable. I want to put that out there. They're all capable. And they take Matthew's, Matthew, well, I kind of saw, sign away the right to the drawing so that they, they can, and what, what they do is they'll put like, like right now they have a really cute, be kind, be happy shirt. And then he has a lazy sloth. There's different markets and different things that Matthew likes to draw for in order to, in order to bring money to people who are just like him and paper clouds apparel, you go on there, shop, visit Matthew's por- portion of the shop. Maddie's one of the artists list- listed. All of, they're a not-for-profit, so all of the profit proceeds go directly to Camp Kostopoulos Dream Foundation. They have clients who are on a waiting list for funding, and Matthew is very blessed. We're very blessed. I have the means in which to send Matthew to equestrian therapy. I can do that for him. I... But there are other people who, they fundraise all the time to try to get money so that, because there's a lot of folks like Matthews whose family can't simply can't afford to send them. So to how does equestrian therapy work? What does that entail? Well, what it is, is that they've got a stable of horses, beautiful horses. Matthew's best friend, the horse is named Buster. Mm. He, he, we call him Buster Brown. <laughs> He's a <laughs> member of the family. The last name Brown. But what it is, is that Matthew will actually go in and he doesn't just ride the horses. He makes sure that all of the other horses, we go in when they're being fed for dinner. And so Matthew will go through and with the trainer and he will help fill up the stables with hay. And then he will bring Buster out after he's done eating. And Matthew will go through and curry comb him, pick his hooves, Aww. get him nice and clean. A lot of attention, a lot of on, on touch therapy, a lot of love. Buster is a, is a, is a nuzzler. So he'll just put his nose in Matthew and just love him. And Matthew knows how to saddle a horse. Nice. Also, he's been taught how to bring the horse down to the arena. He rides the horse through different obstacles. And then Matthew will like, it's an hour. We get an hour block for equestrian therapy. Because that's all, because that's all they, well, no. If you think about it though, by the time you're done, an hour seems like a long time. It really does. But he will unsaddle Buster, 
put him back in his stable area, close the door. He puts away all of the things that he used to like, like the tools that he used to like comb Buster out and everything else. And it, it, what it does is it teaches Matthew how to take care of another living thing. That's exactly when you told me that I was like, yeah. that is what it's teaching. It's them. teaching him. Yeah. Yes. It's teaching him how to take care of how, how to take care of another living thing, how to be loving, how to be affectionate. Cause a lot of people on the spectrum have, have problems with connecting emotion. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and ever since, and, and Matthew, just like being with the horses and being in that environment, it is very therapeutic for him because it calms him. Yes. It, Cause it's routine. Everything is, Matthew is a routine person. Everything is very specific, but anyway, so yeah, that's what equestrian therapy is. You don't just ride the horses. You take care of them. 100% of their needs are met. And Matthew does that. Gosh, lately it's been twice a week because we've been very fortunate with, with their scheduling, but it's usually once a week, Matthew will go in. And then Matthew, like right before we go, he's all excited. And then a couple of days after Matthew has this peaceful, calm, like energy to him. Nice. It's just peaceful. It's just calm. You know, equestrian therapy is like a necessity for him. It really is. And there are people who are on a waiting list. They don't just do equestrian therapy. Camp Kostopoulos does summer camps during the summer. They do mini day camps during all seasons. They do community-based programs where they take them to like the Utah Jazz Basketball Grizzly Games. They have like a lagoon day and they have cooking classes there where they teach people. Life skills. Yeah. It sounds like a full service, not for profit. It is. Um, is, And it's definitely worthy. Camp Kostopoulos. So listen, I was going to say, is there a way Sims, is there a way you can put that information in the show notes for people? Oh, absolutely. So I was just about to say one of the biggest reasons I started this show was networking. As you know, I have a best friend who just passed away whose son is autistic. His sister happens to have a horse ranch in Virginia. He lives in New Jersey. I went to college in St. Mary of the Woods in Indiana who have their own equestrian therapy program. I'm all about networking and staying in touch and, and borrowing brains. And this is not the end for us and Kelly Brown. Kelly Brown also agreed to allow me to do an article about her son and his art and Kate Kostopoulos for Morbidly Beautiful. So I am going to be uh, jumping into that with both feet soon. So this is just the beginning um, of this show of Maddie's art and the reach that big hearts like ours are going to have in the horror community and beyond. So just want to throw that out there. Thank you you. so much for coming on the show, for being our virgin guest. Uh, I guess the opposite of a virgin with all the erotic I know we went we went deep literally and figuratively. we'll have to talk about that on the side Aaron. oh girl we're, we're gonna have a conversation because yeah. i've been writing bye-bye thank you right. bye thank guys thank you so much bye, bye.